Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. I am with ESPN's Fran Fraschilla. Fran and I go way, way back. And, you know, I want to actually kick off this podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of international prospects today. We were were talking uh, right before the show started. Fran and I had this amazing opportunity for for really more than a decade to travel out to Treviso, Italy, and be part of what was the start of the Euro camp. And this was the first sort of major scouting event uh, that was focused primarily on international players. Fran was a coach uh, in that event for many years. I came out as a journalist. Many of the top general managers and scouts came out to it. It used to be kind of a small affair, and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And, uh, you know, with Donnie Nelson uh, leaving the Mavs after, you know, 24 years, we thought it might be nice to just do a little shout out to, to him because he was pivotal in making that work, uh, a real pioneer in the international basketball realm. And, uh, you know, Fran, maybe you can reminisce a little bit, you know, about all those times that, that we spent in Treviso together, truly the coolest, most intimate scouting thing that I've ever been part of. No question, Chad. And it's missed, you know, it, it's kind of fallen apart. They, you know, the NBA combine is still going strong, but the Euro camp was, uh, it was a hidden jewel for us, you know, Donnie Nelson and Kiki Vandeweghe, particularly uh, along with one of my former players who was scouting for the Mavericks at the time. And a guy you got to know really well, Pete Philo started the camp. And, you know, that was at the beginning of uh my time at ESPN, basically your time at ESPN was right before me. And I remember going over there because it was going to be my first year on the coverage, the TV coverage. I walk into the gym and of course, I by that time I'd lived in Dallas. I got to know Donnie well because he, it's hard not to get to know Donnie Nelson. He's such a people guy. And I remember him saying, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm covering the camp. And he said, no, you're coaching. You're going to coach at the camp. So he threw me in there. And then you and I were a part of a golden era of international basketball. The league had not yet accepted the the international guys the way they do today. By the way, three of the five first-team All-NBA guys, international players. Um, It was a a new era. People, NBA scouts were trying to figure it out. You and I as journalists were trying to figure it out. And Donnie... Along with being the guy that really started the whole Lithuanian Marshallonis deal going back to the late 80s and early 90s, Donnie was a, a complete pioneer. And even up to the drafting of Luka Doncic here in the last three years. So uh, many great memories. And Donnie Nelson is really, uh, he's one of a kind. And I'm sure he's going to be back in the league somewhere. But those times in Treviso, Italy, I will never, ever forget because of uh, not only watching some great players like Giannis and Serge Ibaka and uh, Bellinelli and Dragic and many, many others, but just the camaraderie we all had as sort of an NBA scouting family, if you will. And Donnie was a big part of that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I, I just want to shout out to Donnie is, you know, as a journalist, I'm, I'm not an NBA coach. I was not in a front office and, and sometimes seen as the enemy in certain ways. Like I'm, I'm trying to get information about this draft, information that they don't necessarily want to give me. But Donnie would have nothing of me being separated from that. I was invited to dinners uh, when they put together a, a general manager mock draft. Remember that one day we're all sitting <laughs> in a room and I was and just going to ask you about that. I was just going to do the mock that. draft together. And I'm like, this is the single best information I've ever gotten in my life. And yes. not only that, but Donnie and, and, and others uh, mentoring me and, and teaching me about, about the scouting profession and, and how they go about it and, and, I think there's a misconception that exists to this day, and he's part of that old school group that in some ways is kind of getting moved out of the NBA in a certain way. And, and I think it's a mistake, and not because I'm anti-analytics, because I love analytics. I think it's a very important part of the game. But to Donnie, a lot of it was about relationships and and getting information and and understanding the human being that was going to be the basketball player, something that analytics can't tell you. 
And and this is where I think Donnie was a genius. He had so many relationships. He knew people so well. He didn't just know what the player could do on the court. He knew everything about that player off the court. And it was because so many people loved him and trusted him that, and he had just a great sense of character as well, um, that he was able to get that information. And so to me, there's still a big role that that plays in scouting uh, because these are human beings that we're talking about. And the stats can tell us a lot. And you have a famous line about it. Well, I'll let you share, but, but they can't tell us everything about what makes someone tick and ultimately what's going to make them great. I totally agree. And, you know, probably uh, the, one of the most important aspects of scouting is certainly background info. You know this. You you lived it. You're, you, um, you know, you, you the way you covered the draft. And I've been burned by it before, too. Darko Milicic oh, yeah. being sort of a great example of that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just thinking about we, we've had this discussion on your podcast in the past about Darko Milicic. But even back in the early part of the, the thousands, two thousands. We were all learning the translation of, of international kids to the NBA. No team really had it down pat yet. That's why there were so many mistakes early. And now, because of the resources, because of guys like Donnie Nelson, we now understand why an uh, uh, Alperin Shingun may actually translate to the NBA. I know we're going to talk about him, but we didn't know that back then. None of us really knew the translation, and Donnie was ahead of the curve on figuring out what works, taking a kid out of the Euro League and putting him in the NBA. Now, every NBA team pretty much has a feel for that, but we were kind of all pioneers 20 years ago, honestly, and Donnie was at the forefront of that. He really was, and and look, we're still learning. There, if yes. there was a formula for all this, <laughs> every draft would look perfect, and, and every draft doesn't look perfect, and even teams like the Mavs or the San Antonio Spurs that were on this early and have have been spending decades now doing this they still get they still make mistakes and and so this is one of the things i love about the draft is you and i can have strong opinions about these guys and sometimes we're right sometimes we're really really wrong um, yeah. about things and it's it's to me what makes the draft fun um, as well and fun to have these conversations with different people and so we're going to dive into it fran Let's and go. we're we're going to talk about international players, but not just players that are playing overseas, but yeah. also some international players who have already made the trip uh, to the United States and whether they're playing in the G League or, or college basketball, um, they're, they're international players. Uh, that, and that's becoming a more and more common road for some international players uh, to go ahead and make that, that transition earlier rather than later. So we're going to talk about all of them. We're actually going to start there. So we're going to talk, talk first about some internationally born prospects who have been playing in the United States that are in this draft. And we'll start with Jonathan Kaminga, who is a top, probably a top five, top six pick in the draft. I'm not sure exactly where you have him slated. Uh, I'd say most teams probably four to six is is where he kind of sits right now. What do you think about Kaminga? I just got a chance to see him in Orlando two weeks ago, actually, a little private workout, which I was fortunate to be a part of. Just, you know, nothing fancy. Just uh, some shooting, moving, uh, dunking, of course. And, um, and, of course, I watched his G League stuff. And I thought John Hollinger had some great stuff on your show a couple weeks ago about uh, these guys. But it's really interesting. In that top five, let's just say there is a five. And, it, you know, there's some people that have Kaminga six or seven because they consider him raw. The thing that impresses me about him is that, uh, first of all, NBA body right now, all day long. The kid's built. He's six, nine, maybe probably 225, no fat on him, moves well, um, graceful in many ways for a guy that size. I was really impressed, Chad, with his, in the workout now, his shooting ability. In other words, as a coach, I see very few mechanical flaws. I think he's going to end up being a really, let's say an above average NBA shooter from range. Um, but I think, I think that uh, there's still a rawness about his game that when you get him on your team, there's still going to be a lot of development. He's going to a bad team, so he's going to likely play right away, unless the Warriors take him at five or six or seven. Um, but he's definitely in the mix in that top five. I don't think he's as polished as some of the other guys at the top of the draft. But if you told me in this draft that any one of those five guys is going to end up being a multi-time all-star, Jonathan Kaminga has that look about him. So I, there's nothing really to knock about him. 
uh, except that he's probably a little more raw offensively with his ball skills and passing than the other guys, but absolutely looks and moves like an NBA starter and potential star. And he's a year younger than all those guys, which we should point out because he reclassified. Yes. And, and so some of that, when you think about development and you have COVID the year before, yes. which, you know, wrecks some development um, and what have you, you know, he, he should be not as far along as, as those other prospects. Yeah, and, very and, true. And so that's right. And so that, that makes his floor a little scarier. Than, than, you know, a Jalen Green or a Cunningham or an Evan Mobley or a Jalen Suggs. But I agree with you. The ceiling is right there with all of those th- those other players right now. And and let's also just point out that the G League competition that he was playing against was, was a very high level of competition for an 18-year-old to essentially reclassify, lose his summer, and then to come in and play against men every night, men who have been drafted, men who were first-round picks. Uh, in the draft, that's a, you know, the, the fact that he struggled, when you think about the level of competition he was playing against, I, I'm not sure he would have struggled that way if he had played at Duke or, or you know, Kentucky, um, where I don't think the level of competition they played against was quite as tough. Um, so unlike Kaminga and Jalen Green, who spent time in the G League uh, this past year, a lot of these first round picks are going to be in the G League next year. Kaminga gets that advantage of already being a professional player. A kid like Kai Jones, another international kid, young man from the Bahamas, is a perfect example. Been watching him since Treviso three years ago at the NBA Global Academy. And his raw upside is, is tremendous. He's the best runner in the draft. He shoots it from three, and he's 6'10", 6'11", but physically will not be ready to to give an NBA team quality minutes early in his career. So that G League is going to come in handy for a lot of these guys. Uh, And and Kai is a perfect example. Uh, I I like a lot of things about him. He's a great young man. He loves to play. Being around him, he has a feel for the game that a lot of kids that come from the Caribbean usually don't have. Um, But at the same time, at about 220 pounds and 6'11", he's physically going to need some time to mature. Yeah. Uh, You know, Kai Jones is one of the most interesting prospects for me because he's one of those guys where teams love the potential, but they all seem a little scared uh, to draft him because they just don't know how long that investment is going to pay off. And those are the guys that, in my experience, typically are going to be higher on the big board on draft night than their draft night – draft place is, but might ultimately for the right team, right development, then be a steal in the draft. I think so. You know, again, like I'm one of those guys that loves to find these guys early and then the the, the crowd jumps on. And now I'm at the point where I'm not sure he's not going to go too high Mm. because I I really see, I have to, I have to, I think there's a lot of risk, a lot of reward with Kai Jones. And the question I have for teams when I talk to some of my scouting friends is where do you play him? Is he a small ball five man at 220 pounds? Is he a four man? Uh, if he's a, does he have any ability to beat people off the dribble? I don't really think so, but he's switchable defensively on the perimeter. He's, he shows the ability to shoot the ball, but he's going to get pounded inside if you had, if you ever had to give him a heavy dose of playing in the paint right now until he grows up. And right. at 24, 25, you may have a really good NBA player. But right now we're talking high risk, high reward. And that says nothing about his character off the court. He's a beautiful kid. Let's talk about Franz Wagner uh, out of Germany, who has also been rising on draft boards pretty dramatically in his sophomore season. He's quite young. Yep. Uh, he's actually the age of most of the college freshmen this year. Um, has two years of experience uh, uh, underneath underneath his belt. His, his brother Mo Wagner uh, obviously made it to the NBA, was drafted, uh, and has has been a, you know a, a role player, a bit role player in the NBA so far. Yep. I think most people think Franz is is a better prospect. Uh, what do you think about his pro potential? I, I, you know, I like his pro potential. I don't love it. I think he's going to be a role player in the league also. I do. I think he had a really good opportunity late in the season when Isaiah Livers went down from Michigan, you know, arguably their best player, you know, Mo, uh, Franz was probably their second best player, but one in one a, I, I wouldn't argue with that. 
Um, but I, I know, I, I think he, I think he's got great length. He knows how to play. He was in a great system with Jawan Howard. They run great NBA type offense. He moves without the ball. He's a reasonably good shooter. I don't love his overall athleticism and I don't think he gets his shot off quick enough. Um, not to say he's not going to be a first round pick, um, but I'm not as high on him as I see some of the boards have him. I look at Franz Wagner in a league of 400 plus role players and say, yeah, I could see him being a rotation player. I haven't done a board yet of my top 30, but I would have him lower in the first round, 20 to 30. Very mature. It's interesting about Franz because when I talked to him on a podcast early in the year, he would have been a terrific player at Alba Berlin. He would have been one of the key guys in the German league as a young player, Chad. And, and uh, I thought his stock would have gone up staying in Europe like it sometimes does. But actually, his stock rose at Michigan. So if he's in those first 15 picks, good for him. He's going to make a lot of money. I see him more as a role player. I don't see elite athleticism. I don't see one skill that he can hang his hat on and say, you know, NBA starter. That's just me. I hope I'm wrong, but I love him as a kid. I think it's the the uh, ability to defend multiple positions that that is that is getting teams excited and he's yeah. an analytics guy all the way because of his high steal rate and high block rate which are unusual yeah. together but are one of the things if you're wondering why guys get why analytics guys get high on people first thing go look at if their steal and their block rate are high together yeah uh, it, it's it, it's something that they, that they really like and it, it is something that you know for example seeing Wagner play Scotty Barnes. Yeah, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament, and give Scotty Barnes some real problems because I'm I'm a big Scotty Barnes guy. Uh, I, I think he's he he's got a lot of talent there. Um, you know that you know those are the sorts of things that you're going to point to. Uh, I think the sh- shot is going to be the swing skill for him for sure. If yeah. he becomes a a 38 to 40 percent three point shooter, I think he's going to have a really nice career in the league. If that if that number is more like 32 to 34 percent, then then I think he's more a marginal role player. Can I use my uh, my my quote here? Uh, that you, it's yeah, that's uh, we should at least have it in every podcast yeah. with you. Well, so go for it. I think this is the one you like. Statistics accuse, analytics indict, but videotape convicts. You know that's that's the one I like to use. And uh, see, I I was watching Franz play against UCLA, uh, which was the last game Michigan played. And I was disappointed. It was a game he should have taken over the game. And UCLA, who had a great year, but they had that Mick Cronin toughness. They, you know, uh, Jaime Jaquez and uh, Johnny Juzang and, and some of those other guys just bounced him around. And I wanted him, I wanted, I wanted that to be his coming out party. Go get me 24 and 12 in a high level game. And he didn't do it. And that doesn't mean anything. That one game's not a be all end all. I, I, you know, my personal opinion is mid to late first round. I like him. I don't love him. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I like Rocky Road and you like Vanilla. So that's how that's how this whole thing works. All right. Let's talk about one other guy that is looking like he's going to be a first round pick. Chris Duarte uh, out of Oregon. Uh, obviously, one of the best basketball players in college basketball this year, for sure. Yeah. Has has this asterisk next to his name <laughs> because he's 24 years old. And, know. you know, that's a real deal, not just for analytics people, but you're comparing a 24 year old to an 18 and 19 year old. They should be significantly better uh, with yeah. all those years of experience under their belt. <laughs> but nevertheless, look, a, a, as a 24 year old or 23 year old at Oregon, he yeah. was awesome uh, this yeah. year. Uh, what do you think about his pro prospects? Well, the Knicks, the Knicks have a bunch of picks in that late first. And Tom Thibodeau is going to love this guy. If oh he's yeah, there because he's old. Uh, I love this kid. I, I think he's, he's old and he of, plays hard. Yeah, I think he's one of the most. Now again, factoring in the age, and we know the analytic deal on this. And you pointed out, younger is better. Um, but I think he's one of the most ready-made players in this draft to step in and play a role, like be in the top eight. I think he's a rotation guy immediately. He reminds me of a. I'm going to say this: uh, a poor man's Clay Thompson. He shoots it. He is a very good defender. Uh, he has a good feel for the game. And when I say he shoots it, he makes shots. We have a lot right. of guys in the draft that shoot it, but they don't make shots. Uh, <laughs> this kid. Oh, his I, efficiency I, was off the charts this year. Yeah, Absolute I, offensive efficiency. Yes. Yes. He, he, and he does. I, I, I think you plug him in from day one again. Now, are you taking him with the eighth or seventh or sixth pick? Probably not, but I got to tell you, Chad, if a, if a team is out there like in those in a 10 to 20 and they're not worried about a 24-year-old, I think he plays as early as 
almost anybody in this draft because of that maturity and the efficiency. And by the way, let me just add this. Okay. I talked to the Oregon coaches. They were screaming about two guys over the last six or seven years. They had a kid by the name of Dylan Brooks, who they loved and tried to get the NBA to like, and they had a John kid Hollinger that, alert, John Hollinger, John alert. Hollinger alert. Exactly. <laughs> You'll hear this. And I love Dylan Brooks. I hope I'm going to be covering the Olympics for NBC. I hope Canada's in it. Little plug there. Uh, and I love Dylan Brooks. I saw him at the Pan Am games in 2015 and he had a swag about him then. So kudos to John Hollinger. Uh, and the other guy was Chris Boucher, who um, has made himself into a good NBA player. By the way, Chris Boucher was an older senior. And, and so I, I see Chris Duarte as one of those guys. And by the way, Kai Jones, my comp for Kai Jones is Chris Boucher. Long, skinny, stretch big, who can, you know, run, block some shots and make, make threes. So, uh, but, I, but anyway, getting back to Chris Duarte, minus being 24 years old, I love the kid. I think he's a plug and play guy. You know, so interesting. Uh, my editor, Royce Webb, had to correct my column today because I referred to Chris Boucher as one of the Raptors' young core, and he's like, he's 28. Yeah. Uh, and so yes. that also tells you a little bit about, you know, because you're looking at Chris Boucher now sort of coming out. Yes. He's 28 years old. 28. Uh, right. And so that's that's the, the issue with the with the age. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some prospects that are coming across the pond uh, who have been playing uh, basketball internationally. We're with Fran Fraschella, VSPN. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on Lockdown Podcast Network. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. And if you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. They offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And we are back talking 2021 NBA draft. I'm with ESPN's friend Frischilla. We're talking about international prospects. And we, we started talking about some international prospects that actually have been playing here in the United States, college basketball, Jonathan Kaminga in the G League. Now we're going to start talking about some international prospects that are playing overseas right now. Let's talk about the guy who's the highest ranked guy on my board, though it's close. Yeah. Josh Giddy. Yeah. Out of Australia. Big point guard, point forward, exceptional feel for the game, tough as nails, actually having a pretty productive season as an 18-year-old in the Australian League. What do you think about his pro prospects? I like him. Uh, I like I like the big point guard stuff. He really sees the floor. He's, you know, he's well coached. Uh, I hate to say it this way, but those kids are probably going to get better coaching than college coaches give a college kid. Because he's around men, pick and roll in 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 Australia, Chad, just like Europe is really important to an NBA point guard. So he Josh has that and that and that size to see over people. Uh, and again, kudos to Josh for having a great year as a, as an eighteen year old in a man's league. I'm one of those people now. My I have a lot of Australian friends who probably are going to listen to this. I don't think the Australian league is is as good as everybody makes it out to be. 
Not to say that LaMelo Ball can't be rookie of the year, which he was this, this week. Here's my thing with Josh. He's got to shoot it better. Um, that's a big concern for me is that, you know, you and I were at the Euro camp to mention the Euro camp again, when we had the youngest player to ever come to that camp. And I think he was 15 or 16, Tomas Satoransky. Yeah. You, you remember when Tomas came? Him. Yeah, remember of that? course. And he was, we were big, very excited about him. We were all excited to see this 16 year old kid play, play at the Euro camp. And Hey, he's in the NBA playing 18 minutes a game now, but I, I worry about Josh long-term if the shot doesn't come around, because then I think you've got a big point guard who people can go under screens, play off of. But, and again, he's a kid that I'm not sure if he's taken eighth, 13th, 15th in that range that is going to automatically step into your rotation. I think you're going to nurture him. He needs to take a step that is not necessarily a lot of high level NBA minutes. So you might see him jumping back and forth. But hey, at 6'8", sees the floor, great feel, tough kid, basketball background, family background. Um, in this draft, it's a good, it's a it's a good pick in that, you know, I would say 10 to 18 range. Yeah. Look, Ricky Rubio is another great example of a of a phenom who wasn't a phenom in the NBA because of that lack of a of a killer jump shot. Yeah. It's obviously a concern. He's young, and yeah. you know, there's things that you can teach and things you can't teach. The way he sees the game at his age, can't teach that. Right. Uh, shots do get better for some prospects. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people throw out Ben Simmons and say, you know, what's this obsession with big point guards that can't shoot? Ben Simmons. I actually think Ben Simmons in some ways is an outlier in that not only has he not gotten better, but in certain ways he's kind of regressed uh, at, on, the, on, the, on the shot. And I don't think it's always fair to just point and by the way, Ben Simmons is still a very valuable NBA player because he's, you know, one of the top def- five defenders in the in, in the game, and that that's going to get you something. Uh, it, but you know, that's that's the question for Giddy for me. Obviously, the jump shot, and he's not he's not an elite athlete. Agreed, agreed. Um, I, I want to compare him to some. You know, you're we have a lot of NBA. You have, you have a lot of NBA listeners that are saying. Tomas Santoransky, who is that? Well, you know, he plays 18 minutes a game for the Chicago Bulls. He's been in the league a while. But, you know, Tomas always had that stigma of having a really good feel for the game at 6'7", but not being able to keep a defense honest. So Josh Josh can do that. I ju- and, and again, we can't expect a kid like this. I don't care if he played at Duke this year or, or played Australia um, to come in right away, take the league by storm. But at six, eight, great field for the game. There's a lot to work with there. No question about it. All right. Let's talk about Alperin Singun. Yeah. Who is probably one of the most divisive prospects in this draft. <laughs> He's putting up monster yes. numbers in Turkey and a really good league as an 18 year old. You can't ignore that. Uh, John Hollinger's pointed out that if you look at the history of players that are that successful in Europe at that age, none of them wash out in the NBA. Uh, it's it's a it's a telltale sign when you're able to do that at that high of a level. But there are questions about how his game translates to the modern NBA, um, where teams want bigs that can stretch the floor, teams want switchable bigs that can go out and guard on the perimeter, where Singun for the most part right now is playing a more traditional center role um, at Turkey, uh, though there's there's clearly some potential there for that to be a bigger part of his game. What do you think about ultimately his NBA prospects? Well, I thought John Hollinger, when I was listening, I, I love listening to your podcast. Uh, John really broke him down well. Go back and listen to that, that podcast with John. I thought he really nailed it. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I first started hearing about this kid and started watching him, Chad, I thought what everybody else thought. I said, there's no way this kid translates to the league. This is back in the fall. The more I watch, the more I pay attention, the more I see some things that he does that are going to work in the league. You take Nick Vucevic, who's now a two-time all-star, who is really a load inside. uh, And uh, he comes to mind, obviously, and it's Cantor because of the Turkish background. Uh, I totally, I think he's going to make it. I think he's going to be, I think he should go higher than a lot of people have him. I don't know where you have him, but I, I kind of, if I did a board right now in my head, he would be inside my top 10. And one of the things, here's my tiebreaker, Chad. I've been doing this for 15 years. Whenever I'm not sure about a guy like this, I figure out who my contacts are, my former player contacts. I, I did this with uh, Casey Shaw and uh, Devin Booker's dad 
about Gallinari years ago because they were on the same uh, Milano team. I've called I've I've called Kyle Wilcher. I've talked to Amat Embai, who played at Oklahoma. My son was his best man and now is a star in the Turkish League and is going to start for the French Olympic team. He'll be the only non-NBA starter. Both of those guys, I talked to Amat last night. He said, he, said, uh, he calls me coach. He said, coach, he is way stronger than you realize. He said, he is a monster inside physically. And those guys both think he will translate to the league. High, the, I got to think the analytics are off the chart on him. They're off the chart. Yeah, I got it. And what he's done, to your point and John's point, in that league, which could be the second best league after Spain in Europe, the domestic leagues, is there's got to be 25 NBA, former NBA players in that league. I saw him dominate Jonas Jarepko in the Turkey-Sweden match in February. And Jonas is a pretty solidly built kid. I think the kid is going to be a good NBA player. You're going to just have to figure out how to use him the way you use you use Vucevic or uh, Nurkic or Ennis Cantor. I think he's better than those other two guys. Um, and he actually can be a really good facilitating low post passer. I also think his shot is not broken. And at some point in his career in the NBA, he will make threes. All right. that th- This is, this is, you know, for listeners, this is one of the most polarizing prospects. I, I've talked to teams that have him like yeah. six, yep. seven on their board. Uh, especially teams that rely a lot on analytics and, and and what have you. I have teams that have him in the late twenties, uh, and this is very rare at this time of the year that you're going to see this polarizing of a prospect. Be really interesting to see where he goes on draft night and how he how it translates. One last thing: the kid at 18 was the MVP of the Turkish MVP, the, <laughs> MVP of that. the Turkish league. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's some Luka Doncic stuff. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I'm not comparing them; they're not anything yeah. like each other as basketball players, but. That was the level of production that Luka Doncic was doing. Now, even in a better league, uh, you know, obviously, uh, but nevertheless, um, impressive stuff. Usman Garuba, playing for Real Madrid, playing for big time, uh, you know, uh, international team. Can't can't really get better level of competition. Uh, plays plays significant minutes as as a young man, defensively projects as an absolute monster in the NBA. I don't think there's any question. That's why he's on the floor. Offensively, major, major question marks about what he's going to do offensively. Where do you have him? High. I have him high. Uh, uh, When I say high, I mean, he's certainly inside my top 15, 16, 17. Uh, Again, young player at a high level. He's there's, there's things he has to do better. One thing interesting about him that I think is a big plus is later on, the second half of his year at Real Madrid, he's actually shooting the three and making threes, which is not part of his game as a young player. But he's going to be a, an acceptable three-point shooter in the NBA, if not get all the way up to average. But what you love about him early in his career is, first of all, high motor. Kid plays his butt off every night. Uh, ability to uh, rebound the basketball. He can defend multiple positions, including some guards. Uh, offensively, he's raw as hell. He's a roll, rim roller, catch lobs, and and stay in the dunker spot. But for a kid this age with this much energy and athleticism as a role player on your team, second big, maybe a small ball center, multiple position defender, um, I just love the kid's potential as a really good NBA role player. Like uh, I, as People have compared him to OG Ananobi, and I had lunch with – Sergio Scariolo, the the Spanish national team coach, who is obviously with the Toronto Raptors about a month ago. And I asked him, he coaches OG. He said, no, not that good on the perimeter, but can guard bigger guys inside. And to me, I would say, and if he ever turns out to be this good, he'll get it. He'll be a really good player. He's a cross between a Clint Capella and an OG Ananobi, somewhere in that middle range. But defensively, Chad, to your point, love his energy, love his athleticism to to really be a good defender, he's going to he's going to be a monster uh, on the. I just don't think there's any question on the defensive end. He's seven foot three wingspan. Yeah. Um, at six eight, built NBA body already. Uh, NBA athleticism. You know, probably at this point, what you're getting offensively is gravy. Right. Uh, right now, but but you know, big question mark there. Okay, those guys kind of clearly clear first rounders, probably yeah. lottery picks, all three of them. Yep. Who's your next international guy? Like if, 
if those three guys are gone, this is where I think consensus breaks down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Who's your next guy? Um, you know, the guy that I'm not in love with Roko uh, Prakacin from Croatia, but because he's six eight, six nine, he's young, very young. Again, another 18, 19 year old kid in a in a and, pretty and putting up good numbers on a on a so so in a so so league. A so so league, yeah. But again, a so so league that's produced guys that are now in the league being stars, like Jokic, for example. But um, inside of Prakacin, there's an NBA player. I just don't know what it is yet. Like, I'm not sure if he's going to be like a. He's basically a four man who can play away from the basket. He's a pretty uh, interesting athlete. Um, but he's, he, again, if you drafted him at the end of the first round, you're a playoff team and you want to even keep him in Europe another couple of years, put him in a Euro league with another team. I'm okay with that. I like joke. Uh, I like the guard from Lithuania, uh, Jokobitis better as he translates to the NBA. I thought last year had he stayed in the draft, I was kind of hoping he would stay in because he would have been a great second round stash. Um, and what happened to Jokobitis this year in Jalgaris in Lithuania, uh, he didn't get worse, but Thomas Walkup handles the ball a lot at the point. They had a new coach, uh, Martin Schiller, who came in from the uh, Salt Lake Jazz, Salt Lake City Jazz, did a great job, but they had three point guards on the team. But Jokobitis, if you're interested in him following him, your listeners, he's a six foot five Lithuanian point guard, lefty. Um, great in pick and roll, pretty good shooter, pretty good athlete. And what I would do if I were a team taking him maybe in the late first, early second, what I'm hearing, Chad, is that he may sign with a, a team like Barcelona and stay or, over or Moscow or Cheska Moscow, right? right? Those are the two teams that are, which should tell you something, by the way, when those teams are going after him, that's right. There's talent there. There's talent there. And, you know, my, you know, again, I've heard Kevin, my guy, Kevin Pangos, maybe to Cheska, but if it's Jokobitis there or to a team like Cheska or, or Barcelona and you have his rights, you're a, let's say the Knicks, they got a second first round pick at the end of the draft in our end of the first round. And you're not worried about bringing him over now, leave him over in the Euro league for a year or two. And then you've got a 22 year old, six foot five, smart, hard-nosed, tough, athletic point guard. So I think he translates quicker to the NBA than Prakacin. Yeah, and, and and you're just going to might be patient that it might be a couple of years before he works an NBA buyout and comes over, but 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 that's okay. Look, when we come back, we'll talk about some of our second-round sleepers now with Fran Fischilla of ESPN. I'm Chad Ford. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on Lockdown Podcast Network. I want to talk to you about my favorite protein energy bar, it's Built Bar. And the thing about that I love about Built Bar is it is the most delicious bar that you're going to be able to get. It, it tastes like a candy bar. It's significantly more interesting to eat and taste than any other bar that's out there. It has a ton of, of flavors. There's caramel brownie. There's cookies and cream. There's cherry barcia. Lemon almond cheesecake is a favorite. Um, carrot cake. Apple Almond Crisp is one of my favorites. And then those those are the new flavors. And there's like 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie. That's another one of my, my personal favorites, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're not chalky or hard. They're actually soft and easy to chew. Uh, they, my kids love them. I have to fight my kids to keep them away uh, from the built bars because they they think they're candy. And trust me, they have never wanted to eat the energy or protein bars that I've ever had before. I, I use them because I'm a runner, and and I love them because they give me uh, energy and they they have low calories. They're low sugar. Uh, they're high protein. They're high fi- fiber. If you're on the keto diet, um, which some of my family members are, uh, it's it's great as well. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built Bar.
And we are back. Fran Fraschilla of ESPN, longtime collaborator. We've worked on drafts together probably now for like 15 years. Uh, love having Fran. You know, one of the things about Fran is the, the amount of work that he puts into this uh, scouting, talking to contacts. I've sat next to him on the set where he's got this thick book. Um, that he personally puts together with every prospect in the draft. It's 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 incredible. Um, brings this great perspective as a coach uh, a, as well, and uh, just just love his perspective right now. We've talked about kind of all the guys that are sort of obvious first rounders now, so we're going to dive into the second round a little bit. And I want to start with a guy out of Belgium that I'm really intrigued with. Um, th- this is a guy that I'm wondering a little bit why he might not be higher on boards. Rafael Barlow of Draft Junkies has been on him for a long time, been making videos about him. Uh, Vrinz Blindberg uh, out, of, uh, out of Belgium, who to me, friend, sort of fits the model of what NBA teams are obsessed with right now. He's got size. He's, he's a good ball handler. He sees the floor well. He can shoot the basketball. Um, he's a solid athlete. He kind of fits the mold of this 6'10", 3 and D guy. Now he's doing it in a league that, you know, again, isn't isn't the Euro League, uh, isn't the Turkish League. What do you think about him as an NBA prospect? Well, he's intriguing because of everything you said. He's really a 6'10", playmaking forward. If you, I wouldn't necessarily call him a point guard, Chad. I don't think he can. He definitely cannot guard point guards. And physically still immature, does not have an NBA body yet. He's probably 190. But at 6'10", he's a masterful pick-and-roll player. He's a great passer in a half court. Um, I could see a team, if he stays in this draft, um, take him in the second round and, again, work with him because he is a unique player. I I worry about some things physically and on the defensive end, and I'm not convinced that his shooting is uh, where it needs to be right now. He's made a big jump in his shooting in a year. But, again, at 6'10", and as good a passer as you'll find, outside of maybe some of the top guys at the top of the draft. Um, all teams should be taking a look at this kid as a second-round stash guy. Uh, the league hurts him a little bit, but he's made a big st- – and he's playing in Euro Cup, I believe. So he's at a, he's a, he is getting some competition there. But he had a really good year, and he's a unique player because you don't see guys at that size be that kind of – have that kind of playmaking ability. Yeah, the, the more that I watch the tape on him, the more that I, I just wonder, you know, especially when you're getting in the 20s, now in this draft, yeah, why he isn't worth the risk, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not comparing him to Poku, but you know, you, you yeah. at a certain point, you know, you take Poku because of how intriguing he is, even if you don't know how any of this is necessarily going to translate, right. and and his body is way ahead of Poku's at this point, uh, even though he he needs a lot of work there. Um, let's talk about Ariel uh, Hookporty. Yeah. Uh, big time center defensively, uh, you can see the appeal. Uh, definite questions about offense. Uh, been a bit of a turnover machine yeah. uh, as as well this year. Uh, how's he coming along? Uh, this kid, if you if you walk down the street or if you saw him at a workout, you would absolutely fall in love with him because at seven feet, he's a tremendous athlete. He's a he looks the part. Um, interestingly, he was in a really good club in Germany, uh, Ludwigsburg, with a, a great coach there. He left there to go to Lithuania. Uh, and play on essentially the worst team in the Lithuanian league. Uh, There's a lot of intrigue about him because of the size and athleticism. My intel tells me maturity issues and work ethic at an early stage. The light has not come on yet. Uh, But when you watch him on tape and when you watch him uh, in a workout, you will love this kid. I think he's a feast or famine boomer bus guy Um, because of the size. But I also, uh, again, uh, you said it earlier, intel, background information, critical when you draft an international guy. So teams are going to have to really dig in. My sources in Germany say he's a nice kid, but there aren't issues that he has to overcome. I mean, work ethic's a big deal, believe it or not. You know, to be a really good NBA player, work ethic is a big deal. So um, the jury's out on him, not from a physical standpoint, but from how much does he want to be a good NBA player someday. But he's, st- he's there for the taking in the second round. I personally would not use a first round pick on him. Johan Bagarin, yeah. uh, French combo guard, elite athlete yeah. coming along this year, playing in Paris. Uh what do you think about his NBA prospect? Well, let me practice. I got to practice for my all my radio shows. Juan Begaran. Juan Begaran. Juan Begaran. Okay. Let's see. I've been working right. on that. Okay. 
Uh, interesting. Um, comes from a place, Guadeloupe, which has which is a former French colony, although they still may be part of the French. I don't know if they're a protectorate or not. I don't know my geography, but Michael Pietras came. Michael Pietras, uh, from Guadeloupe. Yes, uh, uh, Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Bobois, who we saw at Eurocamp, uh, Roddy Turioff. So the one thing you know about those kids from Guadeloupe as they come over to France and play in INSEP, which uh, Juan did, was uh, they're usually very athletic. All those guys we mentioned, very athletic. Uh, I like him. He's intriguing to me at, at his age. He only played Pro B this year, which is a little lower level than Pro A, but still a good level. He's one of those kids, I tell people, uh, he turns 19 in August, by the way. He's one of those kids that you see on the AAU circuit in America, and, and you hear he's going to Auburn or Kentucky or Georgia, and you go, yeah, he's an SEC athlete. He's built like a linebacker, great downhill, terrific jumper. Um, there's a lot of, lot of things to like about him. He's got really good ball skills. He's not yet a mistake-free player. He does a lot of crazy stuff on the court that's going to have to be weaned out of his game. But I got to think there's some teams, if he stays in second round, steal at his age, athleticism off the charts. All right. Those, those, are, those are some of the interesting international guys coming across the pond. I'm going to talk about a few second rounders who have been playing college ball, but are international players. Yep. We, we, have, we have a huge following, Fran. I don't, you know, I, I don't know, from Portugal. Yeah. Uh, and every time I mention <laughs> Nemius Keita, my Twitter account blows up. Uh, every time. Uh, the, the, the entire country of Portugal right now is hanging their hats on this. So we're going we're gonna to talk about Nemius Keita out of Utah State, uh, who was a, really a, a considered a potential draft prospect as a freshman, didn't have a great sophomore year, came back as a junior, had a really dominant year, uh, obviously can rebound, block shots. Uh, you know, offensively, there's some really intrigue there. Questions about how foot speed a little bit about how he's going to be able to de- defend on the perimeter, be a switch defender. What do you think about uh, his NBA prospect? Uh, you know, I, I happen to like him. I happen to like him. Now, one other piece of information between his freshman and sophomore year, he, he suffered a serious injury. So his sophomore year was up and down because he really never got back in the groove. And this year he did um, seven feet, 240, 21 years old. Uh, what I love about him in a league again with role players, he's a rebounder, shot blocker, rim to rim runner. Offensively, not bad, Chad. He uses both hands around the basket. Interesting about him for a kid 240 is he's got to improve his lower body strength. Like he gets pushed off a little bit too easy for me, but if you're looking at a big kid to develop in the second round, um, you know, great. Uh, from, from what I've been told, really good kid. Uh, he's not horrible offensively. I think there's room for him to improve. Second round guy, you grab him and you work with him, you, you know, G League, whatever. Uh, but if you can get a seven foot, 240 pound kid who has that ability to block shots and rebound like, uh, like this kid, you grab him. I like him. I'm a fan of his in the second round. Joel Ayayi. Uh, out of Gonzaga, who uh, Gonzaga fans, you know, when you have Corey Kispert, who's going to be a first round pick, maybe lottery pick, um, right? Uh, Jalen Suggs going to be a top five pick in the draft. Uh, you know, you can kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. He had a really productive season, comes out of France, a uh, really productive season uh, for Gonzaga. Where do you see him in the NBA? You know, second round, uh, I can remember when he arrived at uh, Gonzaga as a freshman, I was up there watching practice, and I swear to you, Mark Few said, I don't think this kid will ever play for us. He had such a great rep coming in. He was a, a two-time, like, uh, uh, all under-16, under-18 player in Europe, and they thought they swung and missed on him. Remember, he's a fourth-year junior because of that redshirt year, so he's ready to, you know, leave and start his career. Um, I like him. He's a 3-and-D guy. I wish he was a little more physically built. He's a little bit more slight, but at six foot five with his pedigree, his, his shooting ability, his defensive ability, you know, I, I have him down here. Like I like him as a roster spot guy to start his career. I like him making the team and being up and down with a G league uh, franchise, but uh, a lot to like about him because he could be a three and D guy someday. All right. We're going to end and, and go to the exotic locale of Canada Yes. Where Josh Primo, uh, who played a fr- his freshman year at Alabama, has really started to be a riser on draft boards right now. Uh, he is an intriguing wing player who can shoot the basketball, uh, a good athlete. 
Uh, you know, took a while for him to get it going um, at Alabama, but he's young. And, uh, you know, you know, we're talking about Brandon Boston and Zaire Williams and all these young prospects that didn't necessarily show what we expected them to. Primo seems to be getting some buzz as maybe even cracking the late first round or early second round. What do you think about his NBA prospects? There's a lot to like about him. I just watched his last game of his career against, again, UCLA, again, did not have his best game. But the interesting thing about Josh Primo is he went to a team at Alabama this year that had a lot of veteran players and a lot of veteran wings. You think of John Petty and Herbert Jones, guys like that. And what I love about Josh, this is the example I'll give you with Josh. Um, You're a Kansas City guy at one point in your life. Think of the kid at Overland Park. Uh, Let's go go Bishop Miege, okay, the Catholic school in Kansas City. The baseball pitcher who throws 98 and he signs a scholarship letter with Arkansas. And all of a sudden, a team in the major leagues wants to draft him in the first round. That kid's not going to Arkansas. He's going to the major leagues because of the money. Josh Primo is one of those kids. If you draft him in the late first round or somewhere in the second round, you're getting a long-term prospect who can be a really good player. He can really score, Chad. He can shoot it. He's athletic. He's got size. He can really score. The absolute uh, potential overproduction guy. You're looking at Josh Primo three years down the road at 21 or 22, and you've got a six foot six, 215 pound two guard who can really score. So there's a lot to like about Josh because he can put the ball in the basket. He's Fran Fraschilla. Just crushed this podcast. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if you don't think this guy is prepared, I mean, every single guy just absolutely crushed it. Really appreciate all the insight, Fran. Uh, we can follow your work at ESPN. Uh, you also have got a podcast, right? World of Basketball, is that right? Yeah, yep. it's going gangbusters on Sirius XM, NBA Radio, and doing a lot of draft coverage for Sirius XM Radio. No draft for me this year, Chad. A part of it is they're kind of sliding me out slowly. But uh, also, i got to do the Olympics for NBC, so I can't commit to that time. Uh, I, but I will be uh, locked into the Olympics. And by the way, Many of those guys that will be playing in the Olympics are guys you and I saw 10, 12 years ago at the Euro camp. So, uh, but I, I'm still, I'm still locked in on the draft, but I'm also locking in on the Olympic Olympic games. Fran is, Fran is locked in. Uh, so am I, uh, you can go over to my new website, a www.mbabigboard.com. And, uh, this week we did lottery mock draft. The lottery is on Tuesday and actually tried to, just game out every team in the lottery. If they got the first pick, second pick, third pick, fourth pick, have stirred up some controversy by having Scotty Barnes in that mix uh, showing up a couple of times and people wondering what's up with that. Uh, you can go over to the website, read that, subscribe. A big mock draft coming on Tuesday once we figure out the lottery draft order. And then uh, uh, my good friend John Hollinger is going to come da- come back onto the show next week, and we're going to break it all down. And the NBA Draft Combine coming up. I mean, it's it's draft season, Fran, uh, and Here. and I yeah. love it. Uh, draft Combine in Chicago uh, will be great to see all those prospects working out, uh, doing athletic testing, medical testing. Forget about the drills and the athletic testing. I don't think they tell us much, much but that medical testing, that's a Gee. big, big deal. The number one X factor in the draft is, is a guy healthy? And I'm like, are we going to pay him millions of dollars if he's somewhat broken down? And uh, if, if you make that mistake, Chad, as you and I know, your owner wants to have, an, have a little talk with you. Exactly. So look, <laughs> so, much to, so much to look forward to. Hope you keep coming back to the podcast, uh, the NBA Big Board Podcast and Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you check out Fran's stuff over at Sirius. So much stuff happening over at the website, nbabigboard.com. Almost going to be daily updates from now on. Make sure you go over, give us your email, subscribe. There's free subscriptions. You can do paid subscriptions. Really could appreciate your support. About a month left for the NBA Draft. We're ready. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.